Hello, everyone. My name is Devin Watley. This is a podcast called On the Record, where I have interviews and meaningful conversations with colleagues and also cover topics such as sports, music, and pop culture. In this first episode, I will be talking with Amber Salas, a journalism student at San Diego State University. She is a writer for the Daily Aztec and also a member of the SCSU cheer team and Kappa Delta sorority. Here is her story. So, hey, Amber. Hi, Devin. How are How you? you? Do- I'm doing good. How are you been doing? I've been good. Just yeah. living life now that school's done. Yeah. Um, how's your family been doing all that stuff? They've been good. Um, yeah, everyone's just figuring out ways to stay busy while still being home and Everyone's trying to get out to exercise around the neighborhood and take the dogs for a walk and all that, but it's been good. Yeah. Now I know like you talked, you mentioned how like the school year is already over. Um, like what was your whole reaction to like the year, you know, cause we had the switch from in-person classes to online and just all this different stuff that happened since the pandemic, like everybody being forced to move home. Like what was your reaction to that? <laughs> Yeah, so I have an aunt that works as a nurse for Kaiser, and she's in Atlanta, Georgia. So they kind of were starting to get hit before California even got hit. So I kind of knew from her that things were starting to get bad. And I think even I remember when the NBA canceled their season and then March Madness was canceled. I was like, okay, this is serious. So I kind of had a feeling it was going to happen. I think UC San Diego was the first one. And I was like, oh, shoot, like SDSU is probably going to be next. So I kind of saw it coming, but it was still a shock. Like you always, you're like, oh, this could happen, but you never believe it's actually going to be true. You know, you always want to hope for the best. But yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Has it been a challenge for you, like having to do – like schoolwork and stuff ever since you moved back home? Yeah, honestly, I'm a pretty, I'd say, determined person as it is. Like, I always am someone who's super organized and stay on top of my work. So I feel like that all stayed with me. And I kind of like set up a desk space here in my room where like it was my zone to focus, you know, and like Mm -hmm. would make a to-do list. I'd say the only difficult thing for me was – I'm someone who always likes to ask a lot of questions in class, especially if I'm confused or like don't understand something on an assignment. So I'd say that was the biggest challenge, but I would say for all of my classes, my professors, I think did a really good job of being available, whether it was email or one of my professors even was like, you can text me or call me if you need help. Yeah. So that was cool. But yeah. Um, and now I know like you're on the cheer team. And you've been there since, you know, I think your freshman year, right? Yes. Um, how has that whole, whole thing changed since, like, the pandemic started? Yeah, so that has been very interesting. So I remember when this first happened, I think in the beginning, because I think the first announcement that came out was that school was going to be – we're going to go to school until spring break. And then it was going to be online. And then like every day it was something different. Oh, like now we're going to go online now, or now we're going to go like all these crazy things were happening. But when the original plan was, 
we're going to go online after spring break. Our coach was like, all right, no need to worry. Like we're going to practice up until spring break. But it has been so crazy because, you know, tryouts is a really big process for cheer, how we like pick our new team. And every year, every person has to try out again. So I'm about to go into my fourth year of being on the team, but I still had to try out even though I've been on it for three years. So normally it's like a full weekend of Friday through Sunday of tryouts. Um, I think it was supposed to be the beginning of April, but obviously that couldn't happen. So we went through a full online process where the new people all like incoming freshmen or transfers or whoever had to send videos to my coach of certain skills like tumbling and jumps and stunting and all that and then videos of the fight song and like a cheer that we sent videos out to them to learn and then I believe for the new people they also had to go through an interview process on zoom with the coaching staff Mm. And then for all the returning members like me, she kind of already knows our skills based on seeing us all this past year. So she had us just send in our fight song, a video of that. And then everything else was kind of up to her discretion, I guess. Mm. So they announced the team maybe like the middle of April. And from that moment on, we've been doing like Zoom meetings every few weeks just to go over what the current plan is and what we're supposed to do. But every week we have to send in three workouts a week and they tell us what to do. And then um, we have to go film like 15 standing backs a week. So there's certain things they like still want us doing. And the latest we've heard, because I know they announced that school could is going to be online again for the fall or mm-hmm. some classes that will be in person. Yeah. But um they obviously don't everyone panicked in the beginning and they were like, Oh my gosh, uh-huh. like does this mean we can't cheer. What what the heck's going on? But they did tell us we had a Zoom meeting right after that announcement happened and they told us that it's not a no yet, that the coaches really don't have any answers right now, but they're in contact with the athletic department at SDSU to try and figure out what the next steps are gonna be. Mm-hmm. Now was it was it challenging for you to do online tryouts? <laughs> Yeah, well, I I honestly feel like I'm not a good person to talk because I personally didn't have that much to worry about, I'd say. Like, because I'm going to – actually, this is kind of a fun fact. My class the that's going to be the seniors this next year, mm-hmm. I think there's 13 or 14 of us, but we all started together my freshman year and every single one of us has lasted through to senior year. I think oh, wow. two people ended up not doing it. They stopped after the first year, but like the core group of us have stuck it out all four years. So that's pretty special. But our coach was kind of communicating with us like throughout the whole tryout process. So it wasn't as stressful for me, I'd say. But if I were a freshman having to go through it all over again, it's, I think I would be super stressed because I remember even when I was in person trying out, it was so stressful. Like you don't really know anything. You don't know any of the people and you're like, what's going on. So to do that from your house and not really be able to talk to the coaches or like feel like the vibe of what it would be at the gym doing tryouts is so different. 
Yeah. Um, is it challenging to keep training and staying motivated like as a student athlete, knowing that like you guys have no idea like what's going to happen in the future? Yes. That is the hardest thing for me right now because I mean, even though I'm not really doing much, it's still sometimes like my day will go by and I haven't done my workout yet. And I'm just like, Oh, I don't want to do that right now. Or sometimes it's so hard just to find the motivation when you're at home and your family's distracting you and all these things are going on. Luckily, at my house, we kind of have a home gym with some weights and like we have a stationary bike and stuff. So luckily I have that that I can use for some workouts. But if I didn't have anything, I think it would be really hard to try and get creative with figuring out workouts. But yeah. And also like there's such an unknown, like sometimes I think like, okay, what happens if the season doesn't even happen and we're still doing all of this work, but hopeful that things will still be okay (laughs) yeah yeah we're all hopeful um does that thought ever cross your mind of like because I know some some uh teams have started playing like around the world teams have started playing but they've been playing with no fans like has that thought crossed your mind about like the possibility that you might be cheering in in front of no fans yeah honestly I have thought about that because um I have seen a lot of that like you said other sports that are coming back or slowly starting to come back they've all been with no fans like nascar just raced this weekend with no people in the stands which is crazy Mm. um and i know i've seen our athletic director jd wicker on some talk shows or articles and stuff where he said that that's what they're kind of looking at Mm -hmm. for sdccu stadium or maybe spacing people out But I do think that would be, if there were no fans, that would be really weird to cheer for because, you know, that's like the whole point of cheer is getting the crowd involved and all of that. Um, But at the same time, I do think it would almost be a good thing to have cheer if there were no fans in the stands because at least that would provide some background noise for the football Mm -hmm. players or basketball or whoever it is to have it feel like a little bit like a real game, you know? Of course. Of course. Now I want to like go back pre pandemic a little bit here. Now I know y'all were in the, the the cheer team was in the UDA college nationals up in Orlando, right? Yes. Um, Now what was that experience like? Yeah. So nationals is crazy. Um, I, I know a lot of people sometimes don't understand the cheer world sometimes they think or a lot of people only see what we do on the sidelines at football games and that's not nearly anything that we do when we compete at nationals but basically it's almost like the olympics of cheerleading because that's our one competition we do for college cheer and that's what you work for all year long so normally in the fall we practice three days a week at least sometimes we add in a fourth on the weekend, but most like all of that practice is going towards our nationals. Like only a small portion of that is prepping stuff for the sideline for football games. But so most of it is doing the routine. Um, It starts from summer. Honestly, we come back in July and that's when everything starts. We go to a weekend camp up at UC Santa Barbara that Mm -hmm. UCA puts on and everyone has to attend a camp in order to go compete at nationals. So it really starts all the way back then. 
And then nationals actually happens in January and we sacrifice our whole Christmas break to come and get ready for nationals. I think we only have like a week off and then we come back and have two a days, sometimes three a days if you add in the weight room and all of that. But we're there like every day getting our routine ready. But when you actually get to nationals, the whole p- grueling practices and those moments where you just want to be done, mm-hmm. it's so worth it because it's such an awesome experience. And the coolest thing is to see all of these colleges there too. Like every college you can think of is there from the big SEC schools like Kentucky and LSU and Tennessee, all those schools are there. And then literally the whole nation is there. Like any college you can think of, chances are they're probably there. So it's really cool. And I'm someone who grew up from in the all-star cheer background, which is can get pretty competitive. Like when you're at a competition, you're there to win. And, you know, it's kind of almost because, you know, you don't want to be friends with your competition. But the cool thing about college nationals is, although we still are there and we want to win, but the environment is just so friendly. And I think everyone's more there just to represent their college and show like the pride of their university. And, you know, Mm. so it's really cool because even like in I'm on our co-ed team. We have two teams. We have all-girl and co-ed. But for co-ed, we compete in the small co-ed division. And, like, one of our competitors is Grand Canyon University. And, you know, they're not that far from us. So we see them every year at summer camp and stuff. And I feel like we've almost become friends. And, like, even when we see them at nationals, we're all cheering each other on, even though we're literally competing against each other. Yeah. So it's super cool. It's really fun. And definitely some of my favorite memories of college cheer. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get nervous before doing a routine? Oh, yeah. Um, Okay, so honestly, I think I'd have to add it up. I think I've been cheering for about 15 years now. Wow. I did 12 years of all-star cheer and then this is just finished my third year of college year. So it's been a while, but I feel like I've gotten to the point where um, I almost know how to handle the nerves now. Yeah. And it doesn't really get to me, but there was a point when I was younger where I would get so nervous for competitions and, you know, like just those butterfly feelings in your stomach right before you go out. And it's just, crazy like you can't even think but um yeah now it doesn't really affect me but it's it's kind of fun because I've almost taken that and tried to be a leader for the team and show everyone that you know it's okay if you think about it we put in so much work at practice and we've done this one routine thousands of times where it's Mm -hmm. like you could do it in your sleep you know So I try and remind everyone that, hey, like, this is just practice. This is just another run through. Like, don't think of it with – although it's hard to think about it like that, but don't think about the tons of people that are watching you. Like, it's just another practice run through, you know? Yeah. Does it ever get, like, mentally exhausting for you to have to do that routine? Like, because you said you do it thousands of times. Like, does it get mentally, like, challenging for you? Yeah, I honestly – I think it gets to a point – where um, cheerleading is like such a big mental game. I think they 
I've heard the saying like it's 90% mental and 10% skill because, you know, you have these skills like in the tumbling pass you throw or the stunts you throw, like you've done them so many times, but the mental game is what could cause you to touch down on a skill or drop your stunt. And it really comes down to when you start the routine and the music starts, you have to be mentally strong in your head and tell yourself, okay, like I'm going to land this pass or I'm going to hit my skill because the second you have any little bit of doubt and you're like, eh, like, I don't know if this is going to go good. That's where it's not going to go good. You know? Yeah. So I think it's, it's such a big mental game of just, you know, being confident in yourself from the moment the routine starts. And I think also teamwork is such a big part of it. Like, we there's we have this thing called mat talk where you're always cheering on a teammate next to you in any moment in the routine when you can breathe or have a moment just to say hey you got it and I think that is huge like when everyone's talking and you can't even hear the music because everyone's screaming and cheering you on that's when you're like okay I can do this so that's huge Mm -hmm. now I know like some some people they do like good luck rituals before they go and compete do you have any good luck rituals that you do before you oh. compete? Oh, it changes every year. So this past year, um, so we, you have like your stunt group and that's like when we throw people through the air, right? Mm -hmm. And so my stunt group was my teammates, Christian and Jesse. And, um, oh, what's that movie? And Freaky Friday. I don't know if you've ever seen it. This is so random. But yeah. This was our tradition and freaky friday we would that ending scene with like Lindsay lohan where they're singing that song you're it or something like that i think it's called we would like act out that scene and like play air guitars and everything like that now like was that aspect of traveling to like college nationals and bowl games and neutral site games does it is it like do you kind of get like chills sometimes because it's like, wow, like I'm cheering in the Staples Center or like, wow, I'm cheering in, you know, I'm at the Nationals, like I'm at the Rose Bowl, like, wow, like, do you ever, does that? Oh, do yeah, definitely. There, We've had so many cool opportunities. It's so cool. Like I, I always wanted to be a college cheerleader. Like that was always one of my big dreams. But I never thought it would bring me so many of these cool opportunities. Like, I remember my freshman year, I was lucky enough to be one of the six cheerleaders that got to go to the NCAA tournament in Wichita, Kansas. And that was so cool. Like, I was such a big college basketball fan since I was little. And I remember watching March Madness with my dad and filling out the brackets and everything. And to actually be there and, like, these games I always saw on TV was so cool. And then, yeah, like you said, the bowl games are always so fun. I got to go to the Frisco Bowl, which was last year, I believe, for football. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, the Staples Center for basketball for that Hall of Fame Classic this year. And, uh, yeah, the Rose Bowl for football was so cool. But to actually be there on the field cheering was such a cool experience. Yeah, awesome. Now, I know, like, also you're a writer and reporter for the DA, along with me. And Yes. Um, what do you remember from, like, your first moment of joining the DA? Like, what do you remember from that first moment? 
Oh, yes. Okay. So I, this past summer, went to a broadcast boot camp that Laura Castaneda put on, who used to be the internship coordinator, but now she took a job with the Union Tribune. But mm-hmm. um, I saw her post about it on Twitter, and I figured, hey, like, this is something I want to do, so might as well get some more experience. And when I was there, I met Jack, who was the live producer, and then Kyle, who the assistant sports editor now is the editor for sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was talking to them and we kind of all would talk about, Oh, what's your dream job? That whole thing, you know, our lunch breaks or whatever. And I told them all that I want to cover sports. And Kyle was like, Oh my gosh, you should totally join the daily Aztec. And I was, I always knew about the daily Aztec, but I always was concerned about it almost because I always had the idea in my head that I wouldn't be able to make it work with all the commitments I have for cheer. Mm-hmm. because just practice alone is like 15 hours a week. And then you throw in extra events we have to do on campus every week and football games and basketball games. And it's a lot. So I was like, there's no way I can do that. Like they probably have requirements of when I have to be there and stuff like that. Yeah. And Kyle was like, no, like we, it's honestly like up to you how involved you want to be. Like if you can only cover one game a semester then that's cool like as long as you're just getting the experience you want and I actually have like a fun little microphone I got over the summer that I kind of used to practice a little bit and I showed them some stuff and was like hey like would would it be cool if we do some like stand-up type stuff and from that um, I, Aaron was like, oh, yeah, like, I totally want to do that. We kind of did something similar at the first football game, but I'm all for that if you want to do it at whatever game you cover. So I was like, okay, cool. And I was, like, set. I was like, this is going to yeah. be so cool. I'm so glad I found this group. Um, and I honestly at the time was more excited just to, like, more do on-camera stuff. I was like, I don't really know how to write. Like, I know I'm a good writer in my journalism classes, but I don't know how to write a sports game recap. Like, what the heck? So I went to my first meeting for, like, you know, the whole section meeting, and there was a woman's soccer game, and I was like, hey, I know how – I know a lot about soccer. Like, yeah, I'll do that. So that was my first game I covered, and I just did a stand-up, but I did a pre-game and post-game stand-up, mm. but that was so fun, and just, you know, like, interviewing a player and the coaches for the first time. I remember being super nervous, and I was like, what do I even ask them? <laughs> but or Aaron went with me, and he was so helpful and just showed me what to do, and kind of guided me through it and I'm so glad I met them and that I got involved because this past year has been so much fun and I've gotten such great experience yeah um you talk about how you do all these stand-ups uh to me to me you're like the the, the stand-up queen of the of the sports section um oh my gosh thank you yeah. that is so nice <laughs> what's the key to having a great stand-up mm, I think that See, okay, as you can see right now, I'm someone who loves to talk. I will talk to someone all day long about anything and everything. So my biggest thing I think of is that the camera isn't even there. You know, I feel like Mm -hmm. that's something that can get people so worked up. Is like, oh my gosh, I can't be on camera. Like, I don't want to talk to someone. Like, what if I mess up? And that's my biggest thing is I'm like, nope, like you can't even think that the camera's there. You're just having a normal conversation. And that's honestly, 
I've had really cool opportunities where I've gotten to talk to some people in the sports broadcasting industry right now. And they all say like, Hey, like, don't overthink it. Like, do you call your dad and talk about sports to him? And I call my dad every week. I'm like, Hey dad, like, did you see that LSU one? Like, and we talk about football for like 20 minutes. So I think like, Hey, like, let me just act like I'm telling my dad what happened, you know? So you have mm-hmm. to kind of find a way to not be as stressed about it. And I know it can be scary, but you just got to get over that little bump and just think, Hey, I'm having a normal conversation and telling the people what happened in this game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I know like you've had the chance to write stories. Uh, what was one of the most favorite stories that you wrote so far? Ooh, okay. There's some good ones. Um, I think my favorite honestly has to be the most recent one I did, which was about Abby from women's soccer. Mm. And it's crazy because when this whole coronavirus and going home happened, we kind of were all like, okay, so how are we going to do sports now? Sports aren't even happening at all. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So it's been fun to kind of find creative ways to still tell stories. But I actually knew Abby because we do some similar clubs on campus, like Athletes in Action. Mm -hmm. And so I saw on her Instagram that she was donating or, yeah, volunteering her time for this service where she was delivering groceries to seniors during this time where, you know, older people who really shouldn't be going out, they want to stay safe, you know? And I remember thinking, Oh, that's really cool. Like, I wonder if I could talk to her about it. And so I texted her one day and I was just like, Hey, I love what you're doing. This is so cool. Would you mind if I write a story about it for the daily Aztec? Can I call you and talk about it sometime? And she was all for it. And we talked for like 30 minutes all about what she was doing, but she, it's called leave it to us, which was, it was actually started in Chicago, I believe by a student who went to the university of Alabama And he went home to Chicago when school shut down and wanted to make a difference. So he started this company and um, it kind of has spread all over the nation with just people wanting to start their own branch where in whatever city they're from. So Abby's friend from LA told her about it. And then she was like, Hey, I want to do this too. But it was just so inspiring to see, you know, I even asked her a few questions about soccer because, you know, she is a woman's soccer player, but it's like, she didn't, didn't even have any worries about what's going to happen with soccer in the future. Are they going to have a season? Because she was so focused on, Hey, like right now, I just want to make a difference with these people. And Mm -hmm. it's so special. She even shared some emails with me about people she's been helping out and they're so appreciative. And I just think it's so cool the work she's doing. Yeah, that's fantastic. That was one of actually one of my favorite stories that like, I like the whole quarantine, um, the quarantine set that we've, all of us have been doing uh, for sports uh, so far. Um, Now you've gotten the chance to report on a ton of games for the DA. What's one of your favorite games that you've got to report on or experience so far? Mm, That's also another hard one. Uh, There's so many good ones. But I honestly would say my favorite game was actually a softball game. 
And there's a few actually. Mm. So my first softball, I was on the softball beat for the spring semester. And I honestly didn't really know a whole lot about softball. I mean, I know a lot about baseball. I know they kind of are similar, but they both have their differences in the same way too. But Mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, like I'm up for it. Let's, let's see what happens. And they got this amazing transfer this year, Maggie Ballant, who's a pitcher. And I remember hearing the news that she trained. And that was my first I did about softball. He got to interview her. And just hearing her story and how determined she was that this is going to be a great season, that was kind of what got me excited in the beginning. I was like, okay, yeah. like this girl's really cool. Like she's so hyped about it. Like I'm excited now. And then my first game I covered was a double header. And I forget who exactly they were playing, but Maggie came in in the last inning and she won the game for them. She striked out oh, wow. batters. And I was like, dang. Like, that was my first time I saw her pitch. She was like the talk of the town that, oh, this girl's an insane pitcher. You got to see her. And when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Or like, she she's awesome. And then a freshman in that game, I believe, Jillian, had a walk-off hit to win the game for them as well. So that was just a mm. super exciting game. But I would say my favorite game actually was when softball played UCLA. Mm. And UCLA, what, they won the NCAA for softball last year. They were in the yeah, national champions. So they're really good. They just lost their game before, I, I believe, to Texas. So they probably dropped in the rankings, but at the time they were number one. And you know, the stadium was packed. I've never seen the softball stadium yeah. that full. So awesome. And, you know, it was just such good energy there. And then SDSU played amazing in that game. Like they went neck and neck with the Bruins the whole time, which was crazy because here's this number one ranked team and we're up there with them, competing mm-hmm. with them 100%. And then really it wasn't until the last inning that you UCLA ended up pulling away to win the game. But I inter- I remember interviewing the girls after and Coach Van Wick, and they were all so excited because they knew, like, hey, yeah. we just went neck and neck with the reigning national champion. Like, if we can do that, we're going to have a really special season. And this season honestly was so exciting for them. They started out with such a good record, and you know, I think they were ranked second in the Mountain West preseason poll. Mm-hmm. So such a bummer for them that their season had to end the way it did. But that UCLA game was really fun to cover. Yeah, yeah. It's such a shame, especially knowing that they they had a really solid chance to win the Mountain West this year. Now, one of the, to me, one of the things that makes the DA so special is that it allows people to grow as journalists and provide them with opportunities that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah. Now, what makes the DA special to you? Uh, I think exactly that what I wanted to do. Like, I've known since I was little that I wanted to be a sports journalist one day. And when I got to SDSU, I think I had this idea in my head that, oh, like, hopefully I'll be taking classes where I can, like, be on camera in my class. And, you know, maybe we can have, like, a little news station where, you know, like, you see some schools that have their own, uh, like, a full-on studio on campus. And, you know, you always, like, think in your head, oh, yep, that's how college is going to be. And yeah, although SDSU does have a great journalism program, and I think I'm learning a lot in my classes, it's just not, it's not enough of the real world, you know? And I feel like 
being in the daily Aztec just gives you that real life experience where after just one year, I feel totally confident that if someone were to give me a job right now, like, hey, like, you're going to be a sports reporter for this. Like, I have the confidence that I would be able to go and do a good job at the job because of the experience, just one year of experience I've had here. And, you know, like, you know, you can learn in class how to write a recap or how to write a future profile. But then when you actually have to go and plan the interview with your source or mm-hmm. actually go interview them and ask them the questions, it's a whole different ball game, you know? And, you know, your first time you're so nervous and you're like, what the heck do I even do? Like, I think back to my first soccer game I covered, I was nervous, but I had... It's the Daily Aztec is such a supportive group too. Like Aaron and Kyle were like, hey, don't even worry. We're going to be there and we're going to help you. And there's nothing to be stressed out at all. And that made me feel comfortable and able to like take that leap of faith and do my first interview. But I just can't imagine like not having the Daily Aztec and then graduating and having to go do you know, my first interview and be nervous for a real job, you know, like, it's just such valuable experience. And then I think the most important thing is just the friends I've made, like, the Daily Aztec really is a family. And I would get so excited just to go to our weekly Tuesday meetings to see everyone laugh together, joke about whose sports team is better. Like, it was always so fun. Yeah, I mean, we we, uh, the DA for me, I mean, it's been a absolute blast i mean especially like all the amazing trips we had like for las vegas like to las oh, vegas yes. this past March, How can I forget about that? yeah truly an absolute like a special it's truly a special thing a diamond in the rough in my opinion now what is like who is your who's been your favorite player or coach that you've gotten the chance to interview so far mm. i also was on the hockey beat this past season. And that was actually really fun because the Daily Aztec, I don't think was ever super big on covering hockey. You know, like mm-hmm. a few people would go to like a few games here and there and get some coverage, but there was never consistent coverage. And honestly, hockey might be up there for one of my favorite sports. My family has been season ticket holders to the Anaheim Ducks since I was born. So mm. I've grown up in it and love it. And um, one of my friends actually was the captain for the team. And um, his girlfriend, his girlfriend is one of my super close friends and one of my roommates for next year. And so I went to a game with her just to watch. And I had never even been to a game or really knew much about SDSU's hockey team. Mm -hmm. But it was so fun. And I went back to our next meeting and talked to Aaron about it. And he was like, honestly, like, I don't even know much about hockey. So if you know enough and think you can do it, like, I'm all for it. Like, as much sports as you can cover, the better. And so I... I started going and it was super cool because they were all for letting me, you know, interview the guys on camera after a game, like a real sideline reporter. And that was super fun just to get to know the guys and ask them like what those game changing moments were like out there on the ice. But I think my favorite coach honestly was coach Bateman for hockey. Mm. Um, He was always so nice and so appreciative of our coverage. Um, I think it also goes back to, you know, not a whole lot of people knew about the hockey team. And they honestly were so good. This past season, they hit 20 wins, which had never been done in like 40 plus year history. And I think just 
me being there every game, you know, Coach Bateman was so appreciative and he always took the time to tell me, hey, like, thank you so much for coming out here. Like, we appreciate you so much. And he would always take like 10, 15 minutes after the games to ask me or to answer all of my questions that as I was in, I would, as I would interview him. And also sometimes he would take time just to ask how I was doing. Like, he knew I was on the cheer t- team and he would ask a lot like, hey, how's practice going? How's the team? team looking like he really cared about who I was too not just he didn't just view me as oh this is just the reporter girl who wants to ask questions you know yeah so I thought that was really cool yeah now I'm in general like it can it can be a story it can be or it, it can be an interview a story anything that you've experienced um even our Vegas trip like what is one of your favorite DA moments this is a hard one too but I probably oh oh this is so hard (laughs) honestly it would probably have to be the Vegas trip that was just so fun to be with everyone Mm -hmm. and just to be uh, you know at the Mountain West tournament like that was such a huge moment unfortunately it didn't end the way we hoped it would um I actually covered that game and was there and that was such a bummer because, you know, you're getting ready to, like, do your post-game stand-up and yeah. tell everyone, oh, yeah, like, we won. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, now I got to change everything. And that was one of my favorite moments, too, because that showed how real journalism can be. Like, again, a lot of the people that I've heard, like, professionals in the industry, especially sideline reporters, they all stress the same point that, hey – You can do all of your homework, and homework is important to be prepared for the game, but you could do all the homework in the world, but the game still changes in any second, and then all of your homework could go out the door, and you have to be able to go on the fly and say all the changes that happened, you know? So I think that was such a good experience just as a young journalist to have, to because in one second, it was like, all right, we lost. Like, what are you going to say now? And, you know, just to have that moment where you have to just, you know, pivot on fly. I think that was super important. But also that trip was so fun just to have all of the people from the Daily Aztec there from news and sports and just people who wanted to go for fun. Like that yeah. was a really fun time. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that kind of stood out to me from that trip was that it was pretty much like the a week before everything got shut down from the pandemic yeah. so it makes it even crazier to me that it even happened that like all of us like were there at one point and like it was like right before everything kind of just went down the drain hole but is it is it kind of crazy to you like looking back at it now that like it was like a week before everything happened yeah I honestly think about that all the time. We are so lucky that that trip happened. Some teams were literally at their conference tournament, you know, midway through playing a game when it got canceled. Like, I believe maybe the SEC tournament, they, like, played the first round of games, and then they were there, players were there getting ready to warm up, and then they're like, oh, we can't play the game today. And they're like, what? Like, why? But, yeah, we're definitely so lucky that we got it in. It is kind of crazy to think about, Literally a week before the whole shutdown happened, we were in a stadium with thousands of people where maybe someone did have coronavirus, but we were all okay. So Yeah, it's 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 crazy just looking back at it considering like wow, like we were around so many people and it was just a cra it was a crazy time, I think, because a lot of us a lot of us knew that it was 
it was spreading and that it was getting here and that it could possibly go bad. But I think none of us really, or a lot of us were kind of like numb to it. Like we wanted to forget about it and just really like enjoy life in front of us. And, you know, looking back, it was just, it was just a very uh, unprecedented time in my opinion. It was also crazy because we were all having, like you said, we were all having so much fun there that it's almost like you forgot that some people are dealing with the coronavirus, you know, like it, it wouldn't even cross my mind in that moment that a week later, it all would have been shut down. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now I want, I wanted to take this time to talk with you about like a lot of sports leagues are considering opening up as, as states are starting to consider opening up restaurants and other things like that. Like when, when do you ultimately think like the MLB and the NBA will start to come back? That's a really good question. I think a lot of them, there's been a lot of talk about hopefully maybe by the end of the summer, things could get back. I know, um, for like the NHL for hockey, I've seen a lot of them. They want to just get started with the playoffs for the Stanley cup right away. Mm -hmm. And I've read some things about neutral sites where there's going to be like three sites and players will be isolated. And if anyone has a temperature, any signs, like obviously they wouldn't play. Um, I think my only thing, I, my biggest thing with all this starting to start up again, because I know there's going to be similar stuff for the NBA and all that because they're getting close to the playoffs as well is that you know if because we're running out of time for because you know then the next season needs to start again yeah I think gonna be so crazy is just kind of the unfairness of you know for hockey they're starting with the playoffs what if there was a team that just needed to win one more game in order to get to the playoffs and then they don't even have the chance now you know So I think that's going to be interesting. And I think it honestly is going to change the way these athletes think that, you know, truly now everyone's going to remember, hey, every game counts because you never know when it could be your last or you never know if winning that game could have gotten us to the playoffs, you know. But I honestly, I could see by the end of summer, maybe July time period, some of these leagues getting going again. I know it's obviously going to cause concern in a lot of people, but I do believe that eventually, like at some point we need to start to try, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that if the guidelines are followed, you know, you know, MLB, it's easier to wear masks in the dugout or whatever to keep people safe. You know, like the precautions like that can be taken to keep players safe. Obviously, you know, taking their temperatures before games, testing them before games, whatever it needs to be done to get done. But I think that we're never going to know if it's going to be okay until we try. So if things get keep getting pushed back, like, oh, it's not safe yet. You know, it's this never ending battle of, okay, but we never tried. So how do we know that? You know, so I think, you know, maybe mid-July, you could see some of these teams starting to start up again. Mm. Now, I know like uh, in Bundesliga up in uh, Germany, they've started playing sports with no fans. And like they've done it where like the players on the bench and the coaches all wear masks and they sit six feet apart, which I've been finding pretty impressive because like how they're able to how they're able to kind of contain it and like players have always been take, getting their temperatures shaken taken before the game and after the game. And like, I've also been impressed with like U, UFC has kind of been interesting to me too, because to I would think in a sport like that, you have a higher chance of being exposed to that virus, especially with, you know, blood being exposed on you and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, it's, it's a respiratory disease, but still you have a higher chance of it being exposed to you. But they've actually done it to me. They've done a pretty solid job of like containing it, in my opinion. Like, do you think the same thing? Yeah, I honestly think 
a lot of these people have, like you said, been doing a really good job of taking the precautions and, you know, testing people. Because really, at the end of the day, the biggest thing is finding out if someone's carrying the symptoms, you know, and if they're not, then it's totally okay to play like nothing, nothing's going to happen, you know, or Mm -hmm. I guess, I guess the concern is the fact that you could be asymptomatic and carrying it. But that's where I think the tests and the temperatures really come in and we'll be able to tell you, Hey, like this guy's safe and we're good to play, you know, but I think just as long as they're continuing to take out those precautions that everyone should hopefully be okay. Let's play a little scenario here. Pretend you're John David Wicker. And do you think like I don't I don't have obviously you know pretend you have a crystal ball and you're J, you're JD Wicker right now next fall do you think SEC will have fall sports I honestly think they will and I honestly think that JD Wicker has been doing a great job of just you know being open about the athletics department's plans and kind of what they're looking at day by day. And I think they're really keeping the best interest of people in mind or of their student athletes in mind. I think the biggest thing that the school is going to take into consideration is how much money and revenue these, the TV deals and, you know, definitely parking at the stadiums, concessions, you know, gear, jerseys, all that, like that all goes into play. And I think, you know, he said they're going to revisit the plan in July, July 7th, I believe, or Mm -hmm. beginning of July. And I think that's a good time to kind of see where we're at by then, because that's a solid month away. A lot could change between now and then. Hopefully things get better. And then you're looking at a more realistic, okay, can we play now or can we not? But I honestly think that we're going to be able to, and I think that the athletic department is on track to coming up with a good plan of how they can keep their athletes safe. And I heard this from someone and it sounds so realistic to me that honestly, at the end of the day, these student athletes might be safer being on SDSU's campus in the hands of, you know, the athletic trainers and the medical Mm -hmm. team at SDSU where they can monitor these kids. And, you know, then, you know, hey, you know, the facilities are going to be sanitized every day. They're going to make sure that everything is as clean as possible. Whereas when these student athletes are at home at wherever their hometown is, hopefully their parents are keeping their house clean. But at the end of the day, you can't control if the grocery store is being sanitized, you know? So they could honestly be safer being in the hands of the SDSU athletic department where you know they're going to take every step possible to make sure the students are clean and healthy. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting. And then like another question to think about, like, you know, a lot of students are like with the CSU deciding to move students to online classes next fall. It's like, will they decide to have the dorms open for student athletes who are going to you know, we'll obviously have to dorm yeah. to stay on campus. It's like, that's another question you have to think about because it's like, if the dorms aren't there, then it's like, well, what, what, how are the student athletes going to like participate in their sport if they're like thousands of miles away? Yeah, I think that's definitely something that the athletic department is probably working out right now because it's not even the freshmen. Sophomores now are required to live on campus too with the sophomore success program. So if you think about the freshmen and sophomores of an SDSU sporting team, that's like half the team right there, you know? So, and I think about even cheer, that probably makes up more than half of our team because slowly Mm. as the years go on for like juniors and seniors, some people, you know, won't return for the third or fourth year because they just can't make it work but you know our biggest classes are freshmen and sophomores so 
if those people or those athletes didn't have a place to stay, that would really, that would really cause a difficulty. But I think that that's what the athletic department is working out right now is okay. Like, can we maybe take one of these dorms and only have it be for student athletes and, you know, figure out a way that we can keep them safe in there. I think that's all in the works right now, but then I think that could cause some backlash too of regular students who could throw out a question of, well, why can they come back and I can't, you know? So those are all questions that I'm sure the athletic department and the school are working out right now. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. I mean, and it'll even be interesting to see like, who are they going to allow at games? Like, because obviously, you know, they can say that they have no fans. They originally did. Um, before they decided to cancel spring sports, but they, but initially like their initial decision was like, Oh, Hey, we're not going to have fans, but we'll have media there. So it's like, are you going to have media there? Or like, are you just going to decide nobody's going to be there entirely? It's like, if they have media, like that'll be an interesting argument because obviously, you know, for us, if we're covering a game, like, you know, obviously we can't, you know, go drive for like, from our play or wherever we're at to like there and then back i mean obviously that's like i don't know if you you live in san clemente so obviously that's a different trip compared to me because i'm only 30 minutes from campus but that must be like a, a, a interesting challenge if like they decide to have media covering at games like that would be very interesting to me yeah i think that it will be interesting but i think media is going to be really important if they don't allow fans at all because the media is going to be the ones that are going to tell the story. And I think that if there are no fans, media viewership is going to be up more than ever. You know, hopefully these games will be televised and, you know, you're going to have everyone tuning in to still watch and everyone reading, you know, post-game recaps and stuff like that. So I think the media is going to be the most important part, but... Yeah, for student media like the Daily Aztec, I think that would definitely be a challenge of, you know, the people who aren't from San Diego and, you know, can't come back to campus easily. They're going to be missing out on those opportunities. Yes, very tough, very tough. And um, now I want to move on to something else. So have you been watching Last Dance? Yes, I have. But I honestly, okay, I'm behind and I haven't watched the final two episodes yet, but I'm getting there. I've, I've watched everything else. I just, I was, I was um, with our, we were doing a family thing last night and I wasn't able to watch the two, but they're recorded for me to watch yeah. tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, like, what are your, what are your overall thoughts on the series? I think it's amazing. Um, you know, I always, I always knew about Michael Jordan, but I, I honestly was too young. I never saw him play, you know, with my own eyes because I, his era kind of ended right when I was born, you know, yeah. obviously people talking about him forever. And I've always heard, Oh, Michael, jo- Michael Jordan, he's the best basketball player. But I, you know, I kind of understood just from looking him up and, you know, seeing what you'd see on social media or the internet or, you know, some game replays, but I never understood that era. And for me, it's almost like a piece of history. Like now I feel like I know everything that happened and now I understand where all these people are talking about. But yeah, I, and I think, I honestly think it's just so cool how it appeals to everyone because even like older people who lived in that era are getting to relive it and it's the coolest thing for them. But then also these people that saw it with their own eyes are getting to teach their kids like, yeah, this is Michael Jordan. And you know, it's like these younger kids that never even got to see him now know all about it, which I think is so awesome. And I think they did 
such a great job of, you know, all the interviews that they included, like Mm -hmm. Dennis Rodman and Kobe Bryant being in there and coaching stuff, like his coaches from UNC and just everyone was included in this documentary. And I just think they did such a great job. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal documentary to me. And I think I think what's even more interesting is that like it kind of goes in 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 depth on like the other players too, which I find interesting. Like like Dennis Rodman, like he's such an interesting guy to me. Like you yeah. know, he, he leaves lot he leaves like during the season just to go to Las Vegas for a night. Like yeah. imagine if that if that was done now, like there was no way that like that would never like be hidden from like social media. Like there like the amount of memes that would be coming out on Twitter from that, like, it would just be insane. Like, it's just crazy to me, like how, like in the nineties, like people were just like, like, like not like say like people didn't know about it, but it's like, you know, people could just like let people kind of like leave and just do whatever the heck they wanted. Like it was, it's just crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And even you think about his crazy hairstyles and he'd play a game with like cheetah print hair. It's like, if you ever saw that now, that's all people would be talking about from a game said there'd be some meme about it or something crazy like that. But yeah, and I think there's just so many aspects of the game that were so different, you know, like um, you did the rivalry between the Bulls and the Pistons. I think that was really cool to see. And, you know, even when the Pistons lost and that whole dilemma of not shaking hands and being good, that's a big part of the game now that, you know, win or lose, even no matter how painful it is, you be the bigger person and you shake their hand and you say congratulations and just seeing that whole era. That was, that was kind of iffy, but <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. like that they showcased all of that and had Michael Jordan's thoughts of it and all of that. It's what's, what's crazy to me is how they kind of go in depth on how dominant like Dennis Rodman was like to me, like looking, looking at it now, like if Dennis Rodman played in the NBA now, like he would be a phenomenal center but he would be like he would be a terrible power forward because obviously you know power forwards today like Kevin Love and Draymond Greens you know they love to shoot threes but it's like with Dennis Rodman I mean he's a phenomenal rebounder he would have like there was one game I remember where he had like two points but he had like twenty two rebounds it's insane to me like how good you can yeah. be at one aspect and like it doesn't hinder you at all like if you were playing in the nineties like it's insane to me yeah and I think just to add on top of that why he was so strong is he was so dominant. Like he, you know, you saw, you saw how aggressive the game was. That's the other thing that was so crazy to me is how these guys got away with some of these flagrant moves that you just like, shoot, you'd be ejected now if you tried to do that. Like, it's crazy. But, you know, you'd see him being so aggressive and just anything to get the ball. Like you said, that's why he has so many rebounds. But I think, I don't know, his, his appearance or I guess when I, you know, cause like I said, I kind of knew about Michael Jordan and the Bulls and how they, they had this dynasty almost, mm-hmm. but I wasn't familiar in depth with these players. So can you know, I, I knew the basics about Dennis Rodman, but then when I see him, I'm like, this guy is kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but then you see how great of a basketball player he is. And I think again, like he, he was just so defiant and dominant that he was able to be so aggressive out there, which was huge. You know, I think about it now, like, like even having Scottie Pippen, like he wasn't even paid that much money. And like he typically, like if, if he were to play in the NBA today, I mean, in my opinion, I think he'd be a phenomenal player. Like he, he'd be a phenomenal uh, high caliber player on a lot of teams, especially because he's like a bigger player who can shoot threes and defend 
multiple positions. And like, it's just crazy to me how like the Bulls just decided, you know, not to pay him money. Like, I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. And I think, I think when they, when they finally saw how much of an asset he was is when Jordan retired for the first time and Scotty kind of took the lead and kind of became the leader. And I think you really saw him, you know, start to fill, you know, get those big shoes on and lead the team because he almost was left in the shadow with Michael Jordan because all eyes were on him and, you know, he was the playmaker of the team. Mm -hmm. But then when he was gone and then Scotty Pippen steps up, it's like, wow, who's this? You know, like you really got to see him shine in those moments. Yeah, it's it's incredible, and you know, I hope I, I hopefully hopefully you really enjoy those last two episodes because I will say in my I, I won't I won't give anything away, but I will say that they are very very interesting. I mean, just like the how they go in in depth on like so many different people, and like that last series with the last two series with the Pacers and the Utah Jazz are really really interesting, and. Um, you should really like, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, I can get your reaction from that because it's it's a it's really really phenomenal in my opinion. It really sets the series apart from a lot of different other things. But I want to move on to one more thing, and that is the NFL. And a lot of people have been talking about how the NFL is like a lot of people. Are, a lot of people have been saying about how the NFL is like going through these different like plans, obviously because a lot of other sports leagues are canceled right now or, you know, trying to get back in it. But the NFL is like just going full steam ahead on this stuff. And it's really interesting to me how a lot of these teams are considering like different plans to get fans in stadiums. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, the NFL has surprised me with how, how they've handled all this. I think, I think, I think, honestly, they've done a great job. Um, obviously, there's still going to be some complications along the way. But, you know, I, I think it's just so – why it's been so well for them, too, is that they, it almost seems like they have no fear. Like, they're just like, hey, yeah. this is our decision, and if things aren't good by then, then we'll revisit it then. But as of now, this is still going to happen, or we're still going to start on time, or we're going to do this. And, you know – they made the last minute changes when they need to, like we saw with the draft, you know, who Mm -hmm. would have ever thought that would run so smoothly, but they did a phenomenal job, I think. So I think, you know, that helps them out a lot that they have obviously great leadership. That's getting so interesting for the NFL is that all these different States are at such different points of this process of reopening. You know, Mm -hmm. you have some States and, you know, like Arizona is opening full force and they're like, yep, we're ready to play. So, you know, the Cardinals could be set to go, but then here in LA where you have the Chargers and the Rams, you know, the the stay at home order just got extended for three more months. So it's like, what does that look like for, you know, their training camps and actually getting back into the facilities? Like that's not going to be happening for them. But I think, you know, you saw that general managers or head coaches can't enter the facilities, mm-hmm. even if a your state has opened. I think that was a good call just to keep it fair across the board for everyone. So no one is getting ahead because, you know, some teams can't come in while others can. But yeah, in terms of reopening, 
I think the Miami Dolphins have a great plan in store. You saw the plans of how people are going to get in and going to have like half their capacity of that stadium and can seat them six feet apart. Everyone's going to have to wear their masks. They have this whole plan of how concessions can work where people come one at a time. And I think that's just going to have to be the reality, you know? Like, if that's what these organizations are going to have to work out. And I think Miami started it off great and people are just going to have to follow. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting to see how, like, the, the league's going to deal with having these, like, the California teams, obviously, with the stay-at-home order. Like, I remember hearing in the news, like, Florida's deciding to, like, they're saying, hey, we're open arms to all the teams. And so it's like, you know, hey, yeah. The Chargers gonna go play in like Florida, like that'll, like that'll be that'll be interesting to see what happens, like as a result of all of this. Yeah, definitely. And I think, oh, yeah, I heard something about the Chargers and the Rams possibly going to the new Raiders Stadium in, mm-hmm. in Vegas. Like all this crazy talk. Another interesting thing is just happened directly after the draft. They move out to their new facilities and get got used to these new people, their new coaches, all the staff for that franchise and aspect of helping them make that transition from college to the NFL. And at such a young age, that can't be an easy transition. And then they're doing it all virtually now through Zoom. They're learning the playbook through Zoom. You know, that has to be difficult for them and just not being in the facility so I think it. I think what's going to be really interesting is to see how these rookies are going to mesh into these teams when they're really, you know, I think a great job of submitting to these facilities. I want you to make one bold prediction right now. Who's winning the Super Bowl next season for the NFL? So hard. Okay. I think everything changes. You know, the Rams were there in the Super Bowl and were almost there. And then who even were they this past season? They were non-existent. Yeah. So I think it's going to be crazy. But Okay, I think the Chiefs are going to have another great year. They've got Patrick Mahomes back. You know, they got some good draft guys. But I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be the ones to watch out for. Tom Brady. Tom Brady and Gronk. Tom Brady and Gronk, they're going to be unreal. And, you know, isn't the Super Bowl supposed to be in Tampa Bay? Like, could it be any more fitting that this is supposed to happen? And especially, what, they had – they had so many people in the Pro Bowl this past season. So they're going to be a really strong team. But, yeah, I think I think the Chiefs are going to have another good run, and I think Tampa Bay is going to have a phenomenal season too. Mm, Buccaneers and Chiefs with the Buccaneers winning Super Bowl next season. That's ins- that's a bold prediction because it was obviously, you know, they have all those people. So it's like, you know, everybody's kind of hyping up expectations. You know, they could, they could sink to the ground, one injury, and they could sink. So – you know, we will yeah, see. Yeah, it's true. You never know what's going to happen out there. Yeah, we will see. So, Amber, I thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, you did great. It was very fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, listeners, if you want to follow Amber Salas on Twitter, follow her at Amber Salas S. And any, any other closing thoughts you want to say, you want to add? Yeah, just thank you for having me on. This was so fun, and it was fun just to talk about sports again and get excited for the seasons that we're all hopefully going to have as long as everything goes well. But, yeah, thank you.